This is an interview between Nat Cole and Belairs to be aired on this coming Sunday afternoon, long about uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We're having a very busy Sunday afternoon, aren't we? A little earlier, David Niven dropped in to say hi and talk about his movie, Round the World in a Big Old Balloon. And look who just walked in the door, Nat Cole. Nat, it is wonderful to see you again. Thank you, Mel. It's a pleasure to see you. Last time you and I chatted back and forth, it was in your dressing room down in the Chicago Theater, remember? That's right. Your dad was there and all the family. How is everybody? Well, they all seem to be getting along pretty good. Uh, very happy to say. The old, the old man, as I refer to him, he's still carrying on pretty good. We hear of him here in Chicago a lot. Uh, don't see you as often as we'd like to, but I realize you're a pretty busy guy, too. Well, I expect to be back this way sometime this fall and play for you for around the town. Good. I hear a rumor of the Chez Paris. Is this official or non-official or just in the talking stage? Well, it's pretty official because, you know, as for the last four or five years now, I've been playing the Chez quite consistently, at least once a year. Of course, this is the first spring I'll miss, too, you know. I That's usually right. play here around the May and June time. But because of prior other commitments, I can't. But I'll be back late on this year. Well, since we're just around the corner from you can always hang a clean shirt back here in my locker, and you can sort of come back and forth. All right. Spend some time with us, huh? Okay. Last time I saw you in a movie, man, you were dirty and <laughs> tired, and you were in, what was that, Indochina? No, that was called China Gate. China Gate, yeah. I enjoyed the movie very much. Well, thank you. Got you all cleaned up for your new one, I see. Well, i tell you what, Mel, that was the first picture that I actually, uh, first, what you would say, did a uh, straight dramatic role in China Gate, and uh, it was quite an experience for me because it gave me a chance to get some technique and learn something, which I think helped me on this picture, St. Louis Blues, which so, I'm very clean in this one. Well, I'm <laughs> so glad you came through because the thing that uh, impressed me when I knew you were doing St. Louis Blues, I knew it had been in the talk stage for a while. Since we lost W.C. Handy, I think that here is one of the few times when a tribute has been paid to a man before he passed away. Yes, I'm very happy that at least he knew that this was coming about because just before he died, he was getting all shiny up to come to St. Louis where we had the premiere there a week ago last Thursday. And uh, unfortunately, he passed a couple of days or so before that. But they paid him a wonderful tribute. The mayor of the city officially claimed that St. Louis Blues Day and they had the band, 1,200-piece high school band to play down at the memorial building and down near City Hall. And it was really a wonderful spectacle. Would you do something for me? I never met him. You've been pretty close to him, I imagine, in the making of the movie. Would you just tell me anything you want to about him? Uh, the people who are part of our show here are curious just the way well, I am. Well, Mr. Handy was, uh, as most people that knew him, he was a very quiet man very religious man and very nice and good. He believed in the good of mankind and when he wrote songs, he always tried to write songs that had a tremendous meaning. He would always write a song concerning whatever problems that were at the time. If you notice, a lot of his songs are blues. All the blues, yeah. And he was known as the daddy of the blues because uh, I don't think anyone tried to disclaim that over the no, years. No, sir. And I guess St. Louis Blues really the plateau of all his writing of blues because he wrote songs like Yellow Dog Blues, mm -hmm. which was one of his first songs. And uh, the Memphis Blues, which a lot of people are very familiar with. Yes, sir. Beale Street Blues, yeah. Careless Love, which is a wonderful song that's been played for many a year. And uh, a thing called Friendless Blues. Yeah. In fact, those are the ones I'm naming are in this album. And this is only 12 of his songs he's written. In fact, I couldn't get them all in the album. To be tried. able to sing, to be able to act, you've got it kind of all cornered up into a nice, friendly, little happy spot for yourself here, haven't you? Well, Where did you meet him first? Well, I met Mr. Handy in uh, about 15 years ago at Carnegie Hall. We were doing a benefit. A lot of performers were coming out. 
And uh, he was blind at the time when I met him. And he had his cornet, which he always liked to play every time a benefit. If he could appear, he liked to play his little trumpet, sure. which was very cute. And uh, we were standing backstage, and someone brought him over and introduced him to me. And he had told me that he was quite a fan of mine, which I was quite happy to hear. You know, not thinking that he would be listening that much to music, but he really loved his work. And ever since then, we saw each other quite occasionally. I was at his birthday year before last in New York, out to his home, and that's when we were talking about the picture. And now, Who uh, brought that up first? Whose idea was this in the first place? Well, his ideas came from quite a few sources. I don't know exactly the base of it, but I know there were several men who were, you know, writers get ideas, mm -hmm. and they took the idea to Paramount Studios. Mm -hmm. And Bob Smith, the producer, became very interested in it, and he flew back and discussed it with Mr. Handy. Then the next thing came up, who was going to play the part? And uh, he asked me, Mr. Smith asked me, would I like to play it? I said, well, I don't know. Uh, well, I'm up to this. But Mr. Handy was very thrilled about it. He was very flattered that I was chosen because he said he admired me through the years. He thought I could well represent his way and his feelings about it. And I talked to him about it. And he said, fine, uh, it's up to you, whatever you want to do. And I worked at it, and I read about him, and I studied him even more so. And when the picture, I really found myself feeling like him at times because he was a very depressed man in his early life. It was pretty rough know. sledding, I know, mm -hmm. all the way along there for him. And uh, emotionally, he was completely split up because of the strife he had with his family over this kind of music. His father being a minister, he resented the and idea. Daddy didn't go for the music in his and life. And particularly in those days when jazz was baby and infant, they looked upon it as horrible music. And uh, he had a constant fight trying to impress upon his family that there was nothing wrong with it. Matt, let's take this album, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, pick out one of these awful old tunes here. All right. One of these things from the movie. Well, here's one uh, called Careless Love, which uh, nicely is a very familiar melody. It's been played around by a minute performer. And this is the first time. We do this in the picture, by the way, too. And uh, we illustrate how he wrote it. Oh, very mm -hmm. interesting. All right, you Sunday afternooners, pretend now that uh, Nat Cole is sitting right in your living room, if you will, please. It's got to be an old piano, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be Nat. It's got to be careless, careless love. I don't think it's nice to leave us up in the air. Do you mind Nat telling us just how did careless love get written? Well, the way we illustrate it in the picture, he sort of gets smitten by a girl. Yeah, that's and, a normal uh, thing, known as love, huh? And, uh, I don't know, he thought up this idea of this song. Uh, the Eartha Kid plays the girl that sort of inspires him to, encourages him, rather, to write against his father's wishes because she's sort of a nightclub hostess and singer. Mm -hmm. And naturally, she wants him to write because she has a professional object and objective in mind, and that is to sing these songs because these songs would help to make her popular, too. I see. And so he wrote this careless love with her in mind. I see, this movie now opens the latter part of this month here at the Garrick, isn't it? That's right. That's where CBS, WBBM-TV used to be. I understand they remodeled the theater, turned it back into a movie house. Well, that's a most unusual happening nowadays because they're usually doing it to reverse. Yes, they are. But it's glad, I'm glad to see movie houses uh, sort of taking an upsurge again. I hope so. Nat, what was the toughest scene you had to do in this movie? Or, let's put it this way. What was the most interesting scene for you as a singer, as a performer, as a man who knew W.C. Handy? What was the scene that did the most to you? The scene that did the most to me was the blind scenes. Uh, 
because uh, those are sad scenes, and uh, particularly the scenes when he was going blind, and he realized that he was going blind. And to reenact those scenes, they were kind of kind of tough. I kinda felt tough. Uh, a little emotional disturbed at times, but I, maybe that penetrated and came across very well, because I guess you have to get in a certain mood when you do play a blind scene, because I think that's very touching. And I played it pretty well, I guess. I don't know. Uh, everyone, you... every, everyone seemed to think that that was one of the most, that was the highlight as far as my acting in the picture was concerned. Were you with W.C. Handy when he was present? Uh, of course, he couldn't see it, but he could hear the soundtrack. Uh, did, were you with him? No, I, I didn't see him at, at any time after the completion of the picture. I, I spoke to him a lot on the telephone because he was in a wheelchair and he couldn't get around too much. Did he ask you anything in particular about the show? No, he just asked me how it came out and he wrote me a nice letter thanking me for what he had heard. He read his wife read him the script after it was finished. We sent him a special old script. A culmination of a magnificent career. This mm-hmm. man left us so much. Nat, um, let's do one more song. I'll tell you what, I'll make this little offer to you. We'll play any Nat Cole record you want to play or we'll play something more from St. Louis Blues album or, in other words, Be My Guest. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd like to play this, this song here. There's one new one here out of the album. When I say new, it's something that never was heard publicly until the picture came about. It's called um, uh, Morning Star. Which he wrote this melody quite a few years ago, but he let it lie there. He didn't do anything with it. And Mac David, who is a contract writer at Paramount, he put a lyric to it. And we decided to put it in the picture. And it's a very lovely, touching song called Morning Star. Morning Star. Mm -hmm. Nat, while I take this over to Irv, who's got control of the record department, why don't you just say a fast uh, hello, goodbye, and thank you to all the folks who are listening this afternoon, driving around or at home. uh, Your friends. I'll be back in a minute. All right. Thank you, folks. And I'm... Happy to be coming back through my old hometown. It's a pleasure to come here because I have so many friends here, plus my family. And I hope to see you sometime this fall around. I hope you enjoy the picture. Okay, I'm all set here now. Nat, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to see you. And we got a big building here and lots of microphones. Anytime I'm on the air, I'll leash you the other half. Anytime you want to come over. All right. Nice seeing you again, Nat Cole. 